0: Book 2 Chapter 8 of The Mystical City of God, Volume 3, by the Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 2 Chapter 8 The Demons Meet in Hell to Discuss the Triumph of Christ Our Lord in Jerusalem, the Results of this Conference, and Measures Resolved Upon by the Priests and Pharisees of Jerusalem. All the mysteries connected with the triumph of our Savior were great and admirable, but not the least wonderful were the hidden effects of the divine power on the hellish fiends, when, at the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem, they were cast into the infernal abysses. Two entire days, from Sunday till Tuesday of that week, the demons lay shattered by the right hand of the Almighty, manifesting their furious torment to the damned souls of those hellish caverns by their horrid and confused howls of despair. The whole infernal dominion was filled, on that occasion, with unwanted confusion and pain. The prince of this darkness, Lucifer, more confounded than all the rest, called to his presence all the devilish hosts, and stationing himself on an eminence, spoke to them as their chief. It cannot be otherwise than that this man, who thus persecutes us and destroys our influence, and who thus crushes my power, is more than a prophet. For Moses, Elias and Eliseus, and others of our enemies among the ancients, never vanquished us so completely, although they performed miracles. Nor did they ever succeed in hiding from me so many of their doings as this one. For especially of his interior works I can obtain little information. How can a mere man perform such works? and manifest such supreme power over all creation, as are publicly ascribed to him. Without any change or inflation of mind, he received the praise and glorification of these works from the mouths of men. In celebrating this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he has shown new power over us and over all the world. For even now I find my strength for visiting destruction upon him, and blotting out his name from the land of the living, vanishing away." Jeremiah chapter 11 verse 19 In his present triumph, not only his own friends have extolled him and proclaimed him as blessed, but even many of those who were subject to me have done the same and have called him the Messiahs, promised in their law. He has drawn them all to venerate and adore him. This certainly seems to exceed mere human power. And if he is no more than man, there never was one who partook of the divine power, In such a degree, and he is doing and will do us great damage. Since the time when we were cast from heaven, we have never experienced such ruinous defeat, nor have I ever encountered such overwhelming power before this man came into the world. If he should be the incarnate word, as we suspect, there is necessity for thorough deliberation, for if we permit him to live, he will by his example and teaching Draw after him all mankind. In my hate, I have several times sought to bring about his death, but without success. In his own country, when I instigated his countrymen to cast him from the precipice, he contemptuously took his way through the midst of those who were to execute the sentence. Luke chapter 4 verse 30 On another occasion, he simply made himself invisible to the Pharisees, whom I had incited to stone him. But now, with the help of his disciple and our friend Judas, matters seem to promise better success. I have so wrought upon the mind of Judas, that he is willing to sell and betray his master to the Pharisees, whom I have likewise incited to furious envy. They are anxious to inflict upon him a most cruel death, and will no doubt do so. They are only waiting for an occasion, which I will try my utmost to procure for them, for Judas and the priests and the Pharisees are ready to do anything I suggest. Nevertheless I see in this a great danger, which demands our closest attention, for if this man is the Messiahs, expected by his people, he will offer his death and all his sufferings for the redemption of man and thereby satisfy for their misdeeds and gain infinite merits for all of them. He will open the heavens and pave the way for mortals to the enjoyment of those rewards of which God has deprived us. Such an issue, if we do not prevent it, shall indeed be a terrible torment for us. Moreover, this man will leave to the world a new example of patience in suffering and show its merit to all the rest of mankind. For he is most meek and humble of heart, and was never seen impatient or excited. These same virtues he will teach all men, which even to think of is an abomination to me, since these are the virtues most offensive to me and to all those who follow my guidance or are imbued with my sentiments. Hence it is necessary to unite on a course of action in regard to persecuting this strange man, Christ, and that you let me know what is your understanding of this matter." Then the Princes of Darkness, lashing themselves to incredible fury against our Redeemer, held long consultations concerning this enterprise. They deeply deplored their having been probably led into great error, by plotting his death with so much cunning and malice. They concluded henceforth, to make use of redoubled astuteness and cunning, to repair the damage done and hinder his death. For they were by this time confirmed in their suspicion that he was the Messiah, although they did not reach altogether definite conclusions in this matter. This suspicion was for Lucifer the cause of so much anxiety and torment, that he approved of the new determination to hinder the death of the Savior, and he closed the meeting by saying, Believe me, friends, that if this man is at the same time true God, he will, by his passion and death, save all men. Our dominion will be overthrown, and mortals will be raised to new happiness and dominion over us. We were greatly mistaken in seeking his death. Let us immediately proceed to repair our damage." With this intention, Lucifer and all his ministers betook themselves to the city and neighborhood of Jerusalem, and there, as is referred in the Gospels, they exerted their influence with Pilate and his wife to prevent the death of the Lord. Matthew chapter 27 verse 19 And to place other hindrances, which certainly arose, but are not recorded in the Gospels. For before all others they beset Judas with new suggestions, dissuading him from his intended treachery toward his divine master, when by their suggestions they failed to change his mind, or make him desist from his purpose, Lucifer appeared to him in visible and corporeal form, and reasoned with him not to procure the death of Christ through the help of the Pharisees. Being aware of the unbounded avarice of the disciple, the demon offered him great riches if he would not deliver him over to his enemies. Lucifer now tried much more earnestly to deter Judas than formerly, to persuade him to sell his most meek and divine master. But, oh woe and misery of human aberration, Judas had given himself up to the leading of Lucifer's malice, but would not now follow his guidance away from it. For the enemy could not call to aid the force of divine grace, and vain are all other motives and influences to prevent man from falling into sin, and to make him follow his true good. It was not impossible for God to convert the heart of this perfidious disciple, but the persuasion of the demon, who had torn him from grace, was of no avail for this purpose. The Lord, however, was justified in not supplying Judas with further help, since he had cast himself into his exceeding great obstinacy while in the very school of his divine master, continuing to resist his teaching, inspirations, and vast favors. Disregarding, in dreadful presumption, the counsels of the Lord and those of his Most Holy Mother, despising the living example of their lives, the intercourse with them and with all the apostles, Against all these influences for good, the impious disciple had hardened himself, with more than demoniacal obstinacy and beyond all the malice of a man, free to follow the right. Having run such a course of evil, he arrived at a state in which his hatred of Christ and of his mother made him incapable of seeking any of their mercy, unworthy of any light to recognize it, and blind to all reason and natural law, which could have made him hesitate to injure the guiltless originator of so many blessings conferred upon him. This is indeed an astounding example and dreadful warning for the foolish weakness and malice of men, all of whom, if they have no fear, may be drawn into similar dangers and destruction, and bring upon themselves a like unhappy and lamentable ruin. The demons, in despair of ever being able to influence Judas, betook themselves to the Pharisees. By many suggestions and arguments they sought to dissuade them from persecuting Christ, our Lord and Savior. But the same happened with them as with Judas, and for the same reasons. They could not be diverted from their purpose, nor from the wicked deed which they had planned, although some of the scribes, from motives of human prudence, were led to reconsider whether what they had resolved was advisable. Yet as they were not assisted by divine grace, They were soon again overcome by their hatred and envy of the Savior. Hence resulted the further efforts of Lucifer with the wife of Pilate and with Pilate himself. The former, as is recorded in the Gospels, they incited to womanly pity in order that she might urge Pilate to beware of condemning that just man. Matthew chapter 27 verse 19 By these suggestions, and by others, which they themselves made to Pilate, They induced him to resort to so many different shifts in order to evade passing sentence of death upon the innocent savior. Of these I will speak in their proper place. As Lucifer and his satellites were entirely discomfited in their efforts, they again changed their purpose, and in their fury now resolved to induce the Pharisees, the executioners and their helpers, to heap the most atrocious cruelties upon the Lord, and by the excess of torment to overcome the invincible patience of the Redeemer. All these machinations of the devil the Lord permitted in order that the high ends of the redemption might be attained, yet he did not allow the executioners to execute on the sacred body of the Savior some of the more indecent atrocities to which they were incited by the demons. On the Wednesday following his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Christ our Lord remained at Bethany without going to Jerusalem, and on this day the scribes and Pharisees met at the house of Caiaphas in order to plan the death of the Savior of the world. Mark chapter 14 verse 1 The welcome which the Redeemer had met with among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and which had followed so shortly upon the resurrection of Lazarus and the many other miracles of those days, had excited their envy to the highest pitch besides they had already resolved to take away his life under the false pretext of a public good as caiaphas had prophesied so contrary to his intention john chapter 11 verse 49 the demon who saw them thus determined suggested to some of them not to execute their design on the feast of the pasch lest the people who venerated christ as the messiah or a great prophet should cause a disturbance Lucifer sought by this delay, an opportunity to hinder the death of the Lord altogether. But as Judas was now entirely in the clutches of his avarice and hate, and altogether deprived of any saving grace, he came to the meeting of the priests, in great disturbance and terror of mind, and began to treat with them concerning the betrayal of his master. He closed the deal by accepting thirty pieces of silver, contenting himself with such a price, for him who contained within himself all the treasures of heaven. In order not to lose their opportunity, the priest put up with the inconvenience of its being so near the Pasch. All this was so disposed by divine providence directing these events. At the same time, happened what our Savior is recorded as saying in St. Matthew. You know that after two days shall be the Pasch, and the Son of Man shall be delivered up to be crucified. Matthew chapter 26 verse 2 Judas was not present when these words were uttered by Christ, but in the same furious spirit in which he had sold Jesus, he returned to the apostles, and perfidiously began to inquire of his companions, and even of the Lord and his blessed mother, whither they were to go from Bethany, and what the master was to do on the following days. All this was merely a treacherous preparation of the perfidious disciple for the betrayal of his master to the chief Pharisees. Like a consummate hypocrite, Judas sought to palliate his treachery by a pretended interest and anxiety. But both the Savior and his most blessed mother well understood the purpose of his feverish activity, for the holy angels immediately reported to them his shameful contract, to which he had bound himself for thirty pieces of silver. On that very day, when the traitor approached the great lady to ask her where the Lord proposed to partake of the Pasch, she, with ineffable meekness, answered him, Who can penetrate, O Judas, the secret judgments of the Most High? Henceforward she ceased to warn him against committing the sin, but both she and the Lord tolerated his presence, until he himself despaired of remedy and eternal salvation. But this meekest dove now certain of the irreparable ruin of Judas and of the delivery of her Most Holy Son into the hands of his enemies, broke out in tenderest lamentations in the presence of the angels, for they were the only ones with whom she could confer about her heart-rending sorrow. In their presence she permitted the sea of her sorrow to overflow and gave expressions of words of greatest wisdom and affection. She excited the wonder of these holy angels, who saw such an exalted and new perfection practiced by a mere creature in the midst of bitterest sorrows and tribulations. Instruction Given Me by the Queen of Heaven My daughter, all that thou hast understood and written in this chapter contains great and instructive mysteries for the mortals who will meditate upon it. Prudently consider, first of all, how my most holy son, though he, in order to foil and overcome the devil, and in order to weaken his power against men, permitted him to retain the nature and the penetrating knowledge of an angel, nevertheless concealed many things from him, as thou hast already recorded in other places. In withholding them from his knowledge, the Almighty foiled the malice of this dragon, in a manner most befitting his sweet and irresistible providence. On this account was the hypostatic union of the divine and the human natures concealed, and the devil was allowed to fall into so great confusion regarding this mystery, and to be driven into so many cross-purposes, until the Lord revealed Himself and convinced Him of the divine glory of His soul, even from the moment of His conception. Likewise, He permitted the devil to witness some of the miracles of His most holy life, and concealed from Him many others in a similar manner the lord provides for the welfare of souls in our days for although the devil can by his natural powers inform himself of all the doings of each soul god will not permit it and hides much from him for reasons of his own providence afterwards he allows him to find them out for his greater humiliation Thus, after the work of the redemption, he permitted the demon, for his greater torment and confusion, to become aware of so many unheeded mysteries. The infernal dragon is continually lurking about, to search into the doings of souls, not only into the exterior, but into the interior activities of each soul. But my Most Holy Son exerts a most loving care over them, ever since he was born and died for them. This blessed care would be much more general and continual with many if they themselves did not make themselves unworthy by delivering themselves over to the enemy and listening to his deceits and his malicious and cunning advice. Just as the virtuous and the friends of God gradually become instruments in the hands of the Lord and resign themselves entirely to his divine disposition, so that he alone governs and directs them and does not allow them to be moved by other agencies. And so in like manner, many of the reprobate and those who are forgetful of their Creator and Redeemer, and who deliver themselves over to the devil by repeated sins, are moved and drawn into all kinds of wickedness, and are mere tools of his depraved malice. An example of this we have in the perfidious disciple and in the murderous Pharisees persecuting their Redeemer. None of the mortals are blameless in this respect. For just as Judas and the priests, by the use of their own free will, refused to follow the good advice of the demon and desist from persecuting Christ our Savior, so they could much more easily have refused to join him in persecuting Christ when they were first tempted. For then they were assisted by grace, if only they wished to use it, while afterwards they were assisted only by their own free choice and led by their bad habits. That they were in the second instance deprived of grace and help of the Holy Ghost, was only just, because they had given themselves up and subjected themselves to the demon. They had made up their minds to follow him in all his malice, and allow themselves to be governed entirely by his perversity, without ever considering the goodness and power of their Creator. Hence you will understand that this infernal serpent can have no power to lead anyone toward the good, but very much toward leading those souls into sin who are neglectful from issuing from their evil state. Hence I say to thee, my daughter, that if mortals would thoroughly understand this danger, they would be struck with great terror, for there is no created power which can prevent a soul that has once yielded to sin from casting itself from abyss to abyss. Since the sin of Adam, the weight of human nature, burdened with the concupiscible and irascible passions, is drawn toward sin as the stone toward its center. Joined to this tendency are the bad habits and customs, the power of Satan over those who have sinned, and his unceasing tyranny. Who is there that is so much an enemy of his own welfare as to despise these dangers? The Almighty alone can free him, and to his right hand is reserved the remedy. In spite of all this, mortals live as secure and forgetful of their ruin as if each one had it in his own power, to prevent and repair it at his pleasure. Though many know and openly confess that they cannot rise from their own ruin without the help of God, yet they allow this consciousness to become a mere habit and a vague sentiment And instead of lovingly seeking his aid, they offend and irritate God, expecting him to wait upon them, with his grace, until they are tired of sinning, or until they are unable to continue their abominable wickedness and ingratitude. Do thou fear, my dearest, this dreadful danger, and beware of the first sin, for after the first sin thou wilt be still less able to resist the second, and thou increasest the power of the devil over thee. Remember that thy treasure is most valuable, and the vase, in which thou carriest it, fragile. By one fall thou canst lose it all. Second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 7. Great is the cunning and sagacity which the serpent uses against thee, and thy insight is but small. Therefore thou must collect thy senses, and close them to all outward things, Thou must withdraw thy interior within the wall of protection and refuge raised for thee by the Almighty, whence thou canst repel all the inhuman assaults of thy enemies. To excite this fear in thee, it will be sufficient to consider the punishment of Judas which has been made clear to thy understanding, in regard to thy imitation of my behavior in other matters. How thou shouldest act toward those who hate and persecute thee, how thou shouldest love them and bear with them in charity and patience, and how thou shouldest pray for them to the Lord with true zeal, for their salvation, as I have done for the traitor Judas. In all this I have before this often exhorted thee. I desire that thou excel and distinguish thyself therein, and that thou instruct thy religious, and all those with whom thou dealest in this manner of acting. For in view of the patience and meekness of my Most Holy Son and my example, the wicked and all mortals should be covered with unutterable confusion, because they have not pardoned each other with fraternal charity. The sins of hate and vengeance shall be punished with greater severity than other sins on the judgment day. And in this life, these vices will soonest drive away the infinite mercy of God, and cause eternal punishment of men unless they amend in sorrow. Those that are kind and sweet toward their enemies and persecutors, and who forget injuries, resemble on that account, more particularly, the incarnate Word. For Christ always went about seeking to pardon and to load with blessings those who were in sin. By imitating the charity and the meekness of the Lamb, the soul disposes itself to receive and maintain that noble spirit of charity and love of God and the neighbor, which makes it apt for all the influences of divine grace and benevolence. End of chapter 8